Hello and welcome to the Tweed Coast Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message would inspire you, that it would build your faith, and that it would give you perspective on how God is moving in your life. So be blessed and enjoy the message. into God's Word this morning. So i got good news. I am preaching from the Bible, <laughs> which is a wonderful thing. Do you know, the more I read the Word of God, the more I want to read the Word of God. It's got an addictive element to it, um, and I'm excited to share with you this morning. And so we're reading from Exodus 3, and um, I would love, like I said, for every single person listening to lean in to what God has to say this morning. I'm continuing on the theme that Pastor Jono began, and that is that we are on the edge of despair, but on the brink of revival. We're on the edge of despair, but on the brink of revival. And it's very biblical. It's so biblical. It's even historical to the church that often when there is despair, God shows up with revival. Um, And so the title of my message this morning is that revival is heaven sent, but it's man-made. Revival is heaven sent, but it's man-made. That might come as a surprise to you. Yeah, isn't it all from God? Yeah, but when you read in Scripture, um, pretty much every time the plot changes or the, the theme turns around and God does his thing, it's heaven sent and breathed, but man has a part to play. And I want to read to you from Exodus 3 this morning. It's a story when Moses was called by God. And I want to talk to you in particular about the dialogue between Moses and, um, between Moses and God. And so it starts with verse 4. So in verse 4, it says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. So even at the very beginning, when God had seen that Moses had come to look at the burning bush, that's when he called out to him. So there was already a response from Moses. There was already a reaction from Moses coming towards the burning bush. So for some context, Moses had um, run away from his people. He'd run away from his calling. He'd actually killed a person, hid it, and then ran away to a foreign country. He'd gotten married there. He was living with his in-laws and he was a shepherd. And it says that in this, it was years and years and years went by. And then God showed up um, on the mountain of the Lord and showed up to him. And it says that there was a bush that was burning, but not burning. It was on fire, but it wasn't burning. And out of this bush, God spoke. And God said to him from within the bush, two words, Moses, Moses, called him by name. And he said, Moses, Moses. And here we see the beginning of the most incredible partnership that leads to revival. And it's where God comes down and he says to a man, hey, hey, Moses, Moses, come over here. But then Moses didn't run away. He didn't turn away. He didn't choose another path. He actually said, here I am. If you were a person in that day and age and God was talking to you, you would have actually, well, he does. He actually says later on that he hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Um, The God that they knew is the same God we know, but we're living in a post-Jesus on the cross world and we get to come before God freely. So even in this this moment, Moses chose to go, here I am to God. And um, God said, don't come any closer. Take your sandals off for the place we are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And at this, that's when Moses hid his face. And it said, because he was afraid to look at God. Now, the Lord said something so incredible, which I believe he's saying to us today. So pay attention to this. The Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, 
I'm going to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey. And now the cry of the Israelites, it has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, and this is, I want to pause here for a second. So Moses is listening to this and going, wow, God's seen us. He's heard our sadness. He's heard our suffering. He's seen what we've been going through and he wants to come down. And I can just imagine Moses like you would be. And then God describes this beautiful land of milk and honey. And Moses is like, that sounds fantastic. That sounds amazing. Thank you for hearing us. The land of milk and honey sounds incredible. Good for you, God. Great plan. And then God says, so I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And Moses is like, say what? But doesn't this happen in our lives? Hey, God paints this beautiful picture. Or maybe it's um, Pastor Jono sharing the vision of garden or the vision of where we're heading as a church. And in your heart, you're like, amazing. I'm in on that. Whole family saved. A community following Jesus. Epic worship. I'm in. Oh, sounds amazing. But you've got a part to play. Hold up. And so I want to read to you the dialogue between God and Moses. But really, it could be me and God. I could read you some story after story of a similar encounter that I've had with God where I've gone, who, me? And so in verse 11, Moses actually says to God, who am I that I should go and bring the Israelites out? And God replies that I will be with you. But then Moses a second time says, but suppose I go to them and they ask, who sent you? What's your name? And God goes, I am who I am. And then the third time he says yet again, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't accept me? And God says, um, what's in your hand? And he teaches him some tricks and some miracles to perform. And for a fourth time, Moses says, pardon your servant, but I've never been very eloquent, neither in the past nor since. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. And it's like God gets a bit angry now, which I've I've felt this before. (laughs) But God actually, in some versions, it says that God said, who made your mouth? Sorry, but he's like, I can't talk. And God's like, who made your mouth, boy? He's like, slap. And he says here, who gave human beings their mouth? He said, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. And Moses, after four times of pretty much saying, I don't want to do it, he finally just says it properly and goes, pardon your servant, please send someone else. And it says the Lord's anger actually burned at him here. Um, And he goes, fine, take your brother. (laughs) Sorry, I think that's funny because um, so many times I've been like, oh, God, he's like, fine, I'll send your sister with you. But um, <laughs> we see this dialogue between God and Moses where he paints this beautiful picture of revival, really, this beautiful picture of the future. And he goes, but you have a part to play. See, God had a plan, but he needed a man. Oh, she's getting southern this morning. But um, I couldn't figure out how to um, incorporate women into that. But you are 100% included. But um, God had a plan, but he needed a woman. I was like trying. I was like, God had a play and he needed a lady. No, 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 didn't work. Um, It's for everybody. And it's incredible that he includes us. I can't quite get my head around it. Like that he wants us involved, that he wants us included in this. I'll tell you how it turns out a little bit later. But in this season as a church, in this season as a church, can we be the kind of people who always stop and ask, God, what would you have me do in this situation? God, how would you have me behave? And I can tell you the answer that God is going to turn around and go, hey, will you set my people free? 
See, he is the same God. He looks down and he sees the suffering. He sees it and he cares and he shows up and he says, I have a plan. But he goes, but you have a part to play. You see, we are, like Pastor John has been saying, on the edge of despair, but on the brink of revival. But I believe with my whole heart from reading the scripture that revival is heaven sent, but it is man-made. It is humbling to think that our response to all this affects the possibility of revival. That my part to play affects the possibility of revival, not just in my own heart, but in my family, in my community, in this country. That our part to play is going to have a difference in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, So let me share with you a few things this morning. I'm just going to pop my ginormous Bible over here. (laughs) So that was Exodus 3 and 4. And that was the dialogue between Moses and God. And we see an incredible partnership formed. And it happened with five times Moses says, no, thank you. And then God goes, oh, come on, hurry up. Let's get this done. Do you know, as a little girl, I remember the first time that I had a similar experience, a similar moment, a little like nudge, nudge that God wanted me to do something for him. I was about 10 years old. I was in grade five and I was going to one of Brisbane's largest Sunday schools. And every Sunday, I kid you not, maybe three or 400 kids would pile into this auditorium. And the pastor was so cool. I was a little country kid. I was living in the, it took an hour to drive to church. We are living in the western suburbs of Brisbane and there was no kids where, we, where I lived. And so coming to that um, was so overwhelming. And believe it or not, I was actually quite shy. I remember hiding in the cubby house at the back of the room and watching the preacher through the window. That's how shy I was. And there was a few hundred kids and it was all very cool, very cool stuff. So the pastor was on like a remote control pulpit and it had windscreen wipers that would spray water at you and he would drive around and spray water and we like slam dunked our offering. It was just very, very cool to like um, this original Space Jam soundtrack. It was a good time. Yeah, I just thought it was all happening there. Anyway, one Sunday the pastor stood up and he did what God did and painted this beautiful picture And he said, hey, guys, next week we are going to believe for miracles. And 10-year-old Vic was like, yeah. And he goes, and we're going to believe for healings. And 10-year-old Vic was like, yes, that sounds excellent. And it's going to happen right here at Kids Church. And I was like, oh, I get to be a part of it? I'm going to be in the room. And he goes, and guess what? You guys are going to do the praying. And it hit me. I can remember the feeling like kaboom, no way. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. And it was like, oh, that all sounds wonderful. Happy to be here, but I don't want to, I don't want to be put on the spot like that. I don't want to have to lay hands on people. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to actually have to do anything to see revival. I just want to watch it unfold in front of me, around me. Someone else can say yes. That's how I felt. And that week I was so worried. I kid you not, I couldn't sleep. And I didn't want to lay hands on someone. I didn't want to expect them to be healed. I'm just being honest. And I didn't um, think that I had the power to do it. And I felt a little bit like Moses. No, 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 someone else can say yes. And um, I was very unsure about the whole thing. But my beautiful mum, in all her wisdom and nurturing, just told me to stop it. <laughs> so she said, and it's stayed with me ever since. And she goes, oh, Vic, stop it. I've watched you walk around all week worried and fearful. You're not made for that. And she goes, stop it, Vic. And she said this, this is not about you. Your hands are just the instrument to lead people to follow Jesus. And to look to him for healing. You don't have the power, honey. He does. And it was so helpful um, because it started in me, this flow, here I am today. (laughs) I had a million excuses to, you know, 
Anyway, we won't go into them because I want to keep the positive vibes going. But don't we all, church, you've been there where you've gone, can someone else, please? (laughs) I don't feel comfortable. It's outside my comfort zone. I don't have enough time. I don't have the giftings. Do I like, you know, and then Lorette is talking to you today going, just stop it. (laughs) It's not about you. It's the power of God that works in you. And it was so helpful as I I actually believe, like I said before, I believed with my whole heart that Jesus could heal. I believed um, that he could do miracles. I was just confused about the part that I had to play. But what my mum said was actually an echo of Scripture. And I've been reading through Paul's teachings and he has these six words that really sum up the response that we're all to take in all this and um, how we had to play our part in revival. And in 1 Corinthians 11.1, it's really simple. He just says, follow me as I follow Christ. And in the Passion Translation, it actually says to build the pattern of your life around It said, build the pattern of your life around the life I'm patterning on Christ. See, Paul became a partner like Moses did with God. He became a partner with God in building God's church. So back in the day, it was about redeeming his people. And then after Jesus died on the cross and and finished that work, it was like, okay, revival is going to be within the framework of the church. church. Church, I believe with my entire heart that we are the hope of the world. Not some kind of government or any other thing, but the kingdom of God is the hope of the world. And revival is going to happen within the framework of the church. It's biblical. It started then. It's continuing now. And it will go on beyond my life. But what part do I have to play? I want to play my part. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes I don't have the time or the energy, but I'm empowered by an incredible God and I've got to play my part. And so we see Paul playing his part and he just says, follow me as I follow Christ. I haven't got it figured out, but I'm following Jesus. So you can follow me because we will always be going to a safe place, which is Jesus. And so the following Sunday, little 10-year-old Vic, like honestly, was shaking. Like no one was even going to notice me. But little 10-year-old Vic, I prayed for younger kids in the church to have healings and for miracles. And I did it. And I remember praying But I did it because it wasn't really about me. It was about who I was confident in. And so as I was praying, I was like, follow me as I pray for you to be healed by who? By Jesus. And I hope my whole life is constantly pointing others towards Jesus. That's all I want. That's all we're called to. And that is where revival happens. And I'm so incredibly thankful that um, we have the most beautiful senior pastors who are following Jesus. Ultimately, they are leading me towards Christ. And that's what I want to do for others. And what I said is just so simple that we may have missed it, but it actually has the power to change the world and see revival in this land. So I'll say it again, again for the homies in the back. I'm incredibly thankful for our senior pastors who are following Jesus. And ultimately, they are leading us towards Jesus. And that's what I want to do for others. And it's this repetitive pattern throughout the generations that will lead to revival. Hallelujah. (laughs) You see, Paul, who said those six words, follow me as I follow Christ, um, he was actually doing what many of us are doing. So he had a business. He wasn't employed by the church. He wasn't being paid to do what he was doing. He, um, He had a business and he was building God's church. You see, he set up a church in Corinth and the people there, after his departure, got their knickers in a twist. Yes, I just said knickers. Anyway, they got their knickers in a twist over who to follow and I guess how to do this thing called church. And don't we all sometimes? We're like, no, I don't want to do it, whatever. 
Anyway, the peop- so Paul set up a church in Corinth. He left and then he hears reports. They're all doing it a bit differently to how I said you got to do it. And so he sends them this message in a letter and I find it so incredible. <laughs> he says this, God didn't send me out to collect a following for myself but to preach the message of what he has done and to collect a following for him. And he didn't send me out to do it with a lot of fancy rhetoric of my own, lest the powerful action at the centre, which is Christ on the cross, people, be trivialised into mere words. You see, it is all about Jesus. It doesn't matter if we're online or if we're in someone's lounge room with one other family or if we're able to gather, please, Jesus, on our land, a big group of us. It doesn't matter what kind of songs we sing. It doesn't matter what the preacher's wearing. It doesn't matter how good the internet is today. It actually doesn't matter Just follow me as I follow Jesus. And then you will lead others to Jesus. And then they will turn around and lead others to Jesus because it's all about Jesus. And you know what? Time and time again in Scripture, there's all different environments, all different governments. There's all different cultures. But at the end of the day, revival is about following Jesus. Would we fix our eyes on what is important right now? And would we be a church and a people that in every moment in the coming weeks, we would turn to God and go, God, how would you have me behave right now? How would you have me act? What would you have me do? I will play my part. And we'll see revival come. And we'll turn it from being on the edge of disaster, despair, and on the brink of revival. I have three points for you. And the first one is this. It's that revival is heaven sent but man-made and you are each called by name and have a part to play. You know how God said before, Moses, Moses, he says your name. He says each of our names. Sometimes when I preach, I think this is for a few people, but this message today is for every person. Have you ever sat in the room and heard someone preach and be like, I wish that other person was here today? Or you've read a scripture and be like, I wish that person would read this scripture. I mean, I'm sure you've never ever thought that. But this message, this message is for everybody. You have a part to play. You 81-year-old person have a part to play. You 11-year-old kid have a part to play. You who has been through a divorce, you have a part to play. You who is still struggling with an addiction and you're just figuring out your way through, you have a part to play. None of us are Jesus. We're just following Him and we're leading others and we each have a part to play. None of us are disqualified. Sometimes we feel so inadequate, but it's not us. It's not my hands. It's not me. It's Jesus that empowers and He is the one that makes us able. So you are called to lead people to Jesus. I've actually written down a prophecy for us church and it's this, that I believe a time is coming when thousands of good and ordinary men and women will rise up and play their part in their daily lives. That you, each and every individual, are called to lead others to Jesus. I speak that gone are the days of thinking that the stage is the only platform for revival. And I call in the days of thousands of individuals empowered and united under our God and this church and this leadership to lead people in this region to Jesus. That you are all called, we are all called, not just a select few. And I speak revival into this land. I speak it into the school pickups into the offices, into the work environments, into the small dinners that you have. I speak it into the playgrounds. I speak it into when you're out the back in the surf and you're just talking to someone and going, how are you? And you lead them to Jesus. That is where revival is going to happen. And I speak it in the name of Jesus. 
Do you know, no one else can play your part for you. And this is humbling. This is humbling for me that at the end of my life, God isn't going to look at Jesse or my parents or even the church I was part of. He's just going to look at my life. I've got a part to play that is independent. Yes, it's part of the bigger picture, but it's independent of anyone else. You have a part to play. And I want to ask you humbly this morning, are you playing your part? Because if you're not playing your part, you're not playing your part. It's really simple. I went to church. I was um, working in Miami, not in the Gold Coast, in Florida, in the US. And um, I was at a trade show selling some towels. That's what I do. Anyway, um, I knocked off at four and I realised there was a really incredible church down the road that I could go to. So all my staff left and went to the bar or whatever. And I went off to church on my own. And I um, had heard about this church online and I wanted to see it. Um, It's called Voo Church. It's in Miami with Rich Wilkinson. Anyway, walked in, literally thousand people. I think Rich and I were like the only white people in the room. And I literally got bumped into my seat and everyone in the entire room was moving. Like I just couldn't move. I was like, I wish I could move like this. And the lady next to me, she goes, come on girl, move your hips. (laughs) And like, and she was just bumping me and I was just dancing. Anyway, it was incredible. It was such a rad environment. And Rich got up on the stage and he said these words. He was like um, encouraging people to volunteer pretty much, encouraging people to play their part in building God's kingdom. And he said this and he goes, I just want to tell you, if you're not helping, you're not helping. And I was like, and I've sort of hid. Do you see what I just did then? I kind of made it sound like his words instead of mine and me just saying it. But I just want to say this morning, like the reality is at the end of your life, you are going to be stand before God. and He's going to go, what did you do with what I gave you? And you know what? I want to encourage you this morning is that your part to play is unique to you. You might never have to do this or that or what you see other people doing, but your part is unique to you. You know, Moses doubted his ability and I often doubt mine. But when you start to play your part, it will suit you. <laughs> it will. That's what God does. He puts us in parts to play that suit us. Um, joy will actually be a part of it. Always let joy and peace lead you. It will feel peaceful and it will feel joyful because it's your part to play and you do not need to be afraid. You just need to trust him. I can tell you that you will never have your life all lined up ready to play your part. You just need to get started. You just need to get started. Moses tried about five times to say no to God. He doubted his ability. And I actually want to pray this morning um, before I wrap it up just quickly for people that are doubting their own ability and you've got doubts in your heart about the part you have to play. Dear Lord Jesus, I just pray right now for every person listening. I pray, Lord, people would feel your love and a freshness in their hearts and that they would feel encouraged to play their part. So the second point I have this morning and the third are quite quick just to wrap up. But you are each called by name and you have a part to play. But remember, our part to play is empowered by Him, by the Holy Spirit. Our part to play in revival is empowered by the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's my hands, but it's His power. It's my hands, but it's His power. So let's not forget, church, that we are Pentecostal. (laughs) And what that means is that we are fully reliant on the Holy Spirit for all we do. Revival should and it will see an increase in signs and wonders, healings, empowering and a move of the Holy Spirit. Paul said it well in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1 to 5. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing. And while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified, 
I came to you in weakness and in fear with much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Did you hear that? It's not with my words or my ability, but the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We're leading people to Jesus, not to ourselves. Follow me as I follow Jesus. It's not going to rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. He will build this church, church. He will build it. But we get to play a part. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. It's only through God's power that we'll see revival. And the last thing is this. Our part to play, it includes others. Our revival is all about others. It's all about others. I just want to close um, with Exodus 3.12. So I read it before. And it's where um, God says this. He said, the, um, you will see in the future. This is what I'll read it exactly as God said. And God said, I will be with you. So that you there is actually singular. So that means Moses. He said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought all the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And that you there, the second time it's mentioned, is actually plural. So this is what happens in revival. God sends one person and God says, I'll be with you individual, but you, everybody, will worship on God's mountain. And that's where we're heading, church. I can see it. You know, I'm calling you individual, but we're individual, but where we're heading is multitudes worshiping Jesus. Amen. So let's not forget revival is heaven sent but it's man-made. <laughs> you have a part to play. He calls you by name and it's beautiful and fun and just wonderful when you start to play your part. And remember, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it and that it is all about others. God showed up in the desert to Moses because He heard His people were suffering. It's all about others. So let me pray for you and then I'm going to worship. We're going to worship together and then Peter's going to come and close the service. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank You that we get to build Your church. I thank You, Lord, that revival is coming and that we each have a part to play. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to do our part and Lord, help us every day to think about others in Your mighty and precious Name. Amen. Love you, church. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you would like to connect with us, we would love to connect with you. Jump on our website, tweetcoastchurch.com.au for ways to stay in touch. Or follow us on Instagram at tweetcoastchurch. Well, that's it from us. Have a fantastic week.